Welcome to Bible Insights with Wayne Conrad. God's Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Today's topic, Profit for Hire. Uh, Perhaps you've heard of a character in the Old Testament in the days of the Exodus by the name of Balaam. Uh, now, Balaam was a, was a prophet of God, in a manner of speaking. And he plays a very significant role in the history of Israel. And in fact, he appears in the New Testament in a number of different passages that reference him and reference his work as a prophet. And now, Balaam is an example to us of a true prophet of God, but a prophet who's for hire. Uh, Let me tell you the story, or at least part of the story. You see, this happens when the Israelites have come out of Egyptian captivity, and then they've been wandering in the wilderness for a number of years, and they're getting closer to the border of Canaan, whereas they can enter into the land that God has promised to give to them. And as they've grown in number when they were in Egypt as slaves for 400 years, they had become a mighty host of people, probably at least a million. And now they're, they're in the wilderness and people are still being born as well as people dying. And the people of Israel set out and camped in the plains of Moab beyond the Jordan at Jericho. I'm reading from Numbers 22. And Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. That was an opposing group that uh, they had opposed him as they were marching through. And Moab was in great dread of the people because there were many. Moab was overcome with fear of the people of Israel. And that's because of the great population explosion and because of their military might. And Moab said to the elders of Midian, This horde will now lick up all that's around us as the ox licks up the grass of the field. So Balak, the son of Zippor, who was king of Moab at that time, sent messengers to Balaam, the son of Beor at Pethor, which is near the river in the land of the people of Amwal, to call him, saying, Behold, a people has come out of Egypt. They cover the face of the earth, and they are dwelling opposite me. Come now, curse this people for me, since they're now too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them from the land, for I know that he whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed. So the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the fees for divination and gave him Balak's message. So you see, this is Balaam. Now divination is where you try to discern and call on spiritual powers uh, to curse or bless someone or to know what's going to happen. So they came to Balaam and they gave him Balak's message. And he said to them, Lodge here tonight and I'll bring back word to you as Yahweh speaks to me. So we know from this that Balaam knows who the true God is, the God who's revealed himself to Moses and that he has some relationship to him as a spokesman for him. But he's known as one who could bless or curse others. So he says to them, Lodge here tonight, I bring back word to you as the Lord speaks to me. Now what's wrong with this? What's wrong with it is that up front, 
is that Balaam, knowing that they're coming and asking for a cursing against a people that belong to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, whom God has promised to bless, does not immediately send them away by telling them that he cannot do such a thing because he's a a true prophet of God. Instead, he tells them to lodge, and he wants to bargain with God, hoping that God will give him permission to curse the people. So he says, lodge here for the night, and I'll bring back word to you as Yahweh speaks to me. So the princes of Moab stayed with Balaam. God came to Balaam and said, Who are these men with you? And Balaam said to God, Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, has sent me, sent to me, saying, Behold, a people has come out of Egypt, and he covers the face of the earth. Now come, curse them for me. Perhaps I shall be able to fight against them and drive them out. So God said to Balaam, You shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. That's a clear answer from God. You don't have any business fooling around with this. Send them away. So Balaam arose in the morning and he said to the princes of Balak, go your own land, to your own land, for Yahweh has refused to let me go with you. So the princes of Moab rose and they went to Balak and they said, Balaam refuses to come with us. So once again, Balak sent princes, more in number, more honorable than these. And they came to Balaam and said to him, thus says Balak, the son of Zippor, let nothing hinder you from coming to me, for I will surely do you great honor, and whatever you say to me, I will do it. Come, curse this people for me. So Balaam answered, or said to them and to the servants of Balak, though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond the command of Yahweh my God to do less or more. So you too, please stay here tonight, that I may know what more Yahweh will say to me. God came to Balaam at night and said to him, If the men have come to call you, rise and go with them, but only do what I tell you. So Balaam rose in the morning, and he saddled his donkey, and he went with the princes of Moab. Now again, what's wrong with this? Instead of going by the Lord's first message, he wants to bargain. He wants God to give him permission. So now God... God honors it in a way and says, okay, you go with him, but don't you dare say anything except what I give you. But we read in verse 22, God's anger was kindled because he went. Why? Well, because he had already given him a clear command at the beginning not to do this. But he still wants God to be manipulated to let him do it. And the angel of the Lord, the angel of Yahweh, took his stand in the way as his adversary. Now, now you see, this is a famous story of Balaam and the talking donkey. We have another expression, but I won't use that today. Now, he was riding on the donkey and his two servants were with him. And the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. And the donkey turned aside out of the road and went into the field. The donkey has more sense than Balaam. But notice that the donkey is allowed to see the angel, whereas Balaam's eyes are closed. But Balaam struck the donkey to turn him into the road. And then the angel of the Lord stood in the narrow path between the vineyards with a wall on either side. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed against the wall and pressed Balaam's foot against the wall. So he struck her again. 
And then the angel of the Lord went ahead and stood in the narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right or to the left. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. And Balaam's anger was kindled and he struck the donkey with his staff. Then, that is Yahweh, the Lord, opened the mouth of the donkey. And she said to Balaam, What have I done to you that you struck me these three times? And Balaam said to the donkey, because you made a fool of me. I wish I had a sword in my hand, for then I would kill you. Now notice, Balaam's talking to his donkey, and the donkey's talking to him. Now this is a supernatural event, folks. And the donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your donkey on which you have ridden all your life long to this day? Is it my habit to treat you this way? And he said, No. Now one thing we can learn from this is these animals have sense, and they can have some remembrance. They know who their master is, this donkey was well aware of Balaam and related to Balaam. Then Yahweh opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand, and he bowed down and fell on his face. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I've come out to oppose you because your way is perverse before me. The donkey saw me and turned aside before these three times, turned aside before me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, surely just now I would have killed you and let her live. Then Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I did not know that you stood in the road against me. Now, therefore, if it's evil in your sight, I will turn back. Now, notice he's still, he's trying to justify his actions. He already knows he was not supposed to have gone with them, but he's bargained with God, basically saying, you know, please let me go. And so God's letting him do it, but God is opposed to what he's doing. And the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, go with the men, but speak only the word that I tell you. So Balaam went on with the princes of Balak. Now, when Balak heard that Balaam had come, he went out to meet him at the city of Moab on the border formed by Aaron at the extremity of the border. But Balak said to Balaam, did I not send to you to call you? Why did you not come to me? Am I not able to honor you? And Balaam said to Balak, behold, I've come to you. Have I now any power of my own to speak anything? The word that God puts in my mouth, that must I speak. Then Balaam went with Balak and they came to Kithra Hazoth. And Balaam sacrificed oxen the sheep, and sent for Balaam and for the princes who were with him. And in the morning, Balak took Balaam and brought him up to this Bamoth, Baal. And from there, he saw a fraction of the people. He wants to show him this people that he's afraid of. And now Balaam is supposed to speak against him. Well, as the story unfolds, you know, Balaam has to ask the Lord each time what he's supposed to say. And God reminds him, you're to speak only the words that I put in your mouth. And each time, Balaam ends up blessing the people, not cursing them. So after the second uh, blessing, this is what Balak said to Balaam. Do not curse them at all and do not bless them. But Balaam answered Balak, did I not tell you all that Yahweh says that I must do? And Balak 
said to him, come on now and I'll take you to another place. Perhaps it'll please God that you may curse him for me from there. So Balak took Balaam to the top of Peor where he overlooks the desert. And again, he said, told him to curse. And Balaam again, he, he worships the Lord this time. And again, God gives him the oracle. It's a great oracle of blessing that even has messianic overtones in it. Found in chapter 24 of the book of Numbers. Now when all this is over, three times he blesses the people instead of cursing them because that's the words that God put into his mouth. But he went with these people because he was looking for the money that God would not bless him by letting him curse his people. And so ultimately, Balaam goes home empty-handed because Balak would not give him the money since he did not curse the people for him. But we read in chapter 25 that while Israel lived in Shittim, the people began to whore with the daughters of Moab. These invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, And the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel yoked himself to Baal of Peor, and the angel of Yahweh was kindled against Israel. Now this is very interesting, and it's related to Balaam as well. Now we're not exactly told in the passage what Balaam said to Balaam, but Balaam is still trying to get money from Balaam. He's still trying to get a reward. He's still after earthly riches. And we know from later revelation in the Bible, in the New Testament, what Balaam did. Now, Balaam is an example of someone who was formerly a good prophet, but who went bad. And the reason he went bad is because of the love of money. He went to curse Israel, but God would not allow him to curse Israel. Instead, he put in his mouth a blessing and because Balaam was a prophet of God and God would only let his prophets speak his own word. So he was not allowed to speak against them. So he said the blessings instead of the cursing. But he really wanted the rewards that the king had offered him. Now, it, when the story ends, it says that Balaam went back to his home and Balaam went his way. But later we find Balaam with Balak when there is some war, some battles. And the fact that Balaam died in Midian later on shows that he did not remain back home, but he came back to help the king, Balaam. It could have been only Balaam that got the Midianite women to lure the Israelite men to sin. Balaam wasn't a complete success. He died in the Israelites' attack. He's put to death. And the Bible doesn't specifically tell us that he told Balak what to do. That is to send your women into the camp of the Israelite men and entice them with their beauty. But that's what they did. And Josephus, the historian in his Antiquities book, relates this. It says that so when the Midianites had sent their daughters, as Balaam had exhorted them, the Hebrew men were allured by their beauty and came with them and besought them not to grudge them the enjoyment of their beauty nor to deny them their conversation. We know that 
these women did allure the Israelite men and they introduced them not only to sexual immorality, but introduced them to Canaanite worship, which is connected with fertility gods, and lured Israel to idolatry even in the wilderness. Now here's what the New Testament has to say about Balaam in all of these actions. Well, first, let me go back to Numbers 31, where we find the end of Balaam. It says in Numbers 31, Behold, these, on Balaam's advice, caused the people of Israel to act treacherously against the Lord in the incident of Peor, and so the plague came among the congregation of the Lord. So that's what was recorded in Numbers 25 that concerns the women being used to lure the men. So, we read in Joshua thirteen thirty six, Balaam also, the son of Beor, the one who had practiced divination, was killed with a sword by the people of Israel among the rest of their slain. So that's what happened to Balaam. But here's what the New Testament in Second Peter 2, Jude 1, and Revelation 2, 14 say about Balaam. Forsaking the right way, Peter writes, they, that is Israel, have gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved gain from wrongdoing, but was rebuked for his own transgression. A speechless donkey spoke with human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. That's why he would not dare speak anything except what God put in his mouth. Jude 1.11 says, Woe to them, for they walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's era and perished in Korah's rebellion. But here's the clincher. In Revelation chapter 2 and verse 14, God is speaking to one of the ch- churches in the Revelation. It says, But I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balaam to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel so that they might eat food, sacrifice to idols, and practice sexual immorality. This was the great sin of Balaam. Though he was not allowed to curse them, but was instead commanded, and God himself made them say the blessing to the people, yet he ran around it by telling Balak he could still cause these people to stumble and sin against their God, bringing judgment against them by having their women go in and lure them into sexual activity and introducing them to the worship of false gods. Now, what does this story tell us? It's a prophet for hire. And though we may not have prophets exactly like Balaam today, We do have preachers like Balaam today. That is, men who may have at some point in their life been used of God to actually preach God's word, who have taken the message of God's truth and have turned it into a message for money, for hire, by introducing false teachings into the church and luring God's people away from true orthodoxy and true and sound godliness and relationship with God into money, 
into an effort to get money from God for themselves through manipulation of alleged spiritual laws and getting money to enrich themselves in the process. What does our Lord have to say of such things? This is what Jesus says. For what will a profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? It is a dangerous thing for a person, for a man, who's a man of God or called to be one, to lend himself to the pursuit of wealth in order to gain wealth instead of being faithful to the message of God and to the gospel of God's grace. We must not Seek prophets for hire, nor follow after preachers for hire either. This has been Wayne Conrad with Bible Insights.